Victorinas was the guy who said, so is it walls that make Christians? Uh, he was the translator of, uh, translated Greek uh, Plato into Latin for St. Augustine. We're reading from St. Augustine, uh, Confessions, uh, uh, or at book uh, 8 and 2.5. It says, finally the hour arrived for Victorinus to profess his faith. In Rome, those who draw near to your grace recite words from an elevated place in the presence of all the baptized. <laughs> the priest. Simplicianus told me, proposed to Victorinus that he could profess his faith more privately, an offer that was generally made to those who, whose shyness made them apprehensive. But Victorinus preferred to profess his salvation in the presence of the devout multitude. For what he had taught in rhetoric was not salvation, and yet he had declaimed it publicly. How much less fear should he then have in pronouncing your word before your tame flock, when he had not feared delivering his own words before a crazed multitude? <laughs> yeah, in the, in the simple... So we're talking about, like, 4th century, like, even in the... Uh, modern age with uh, the Methodist Church and the small country town in Ohio. They they want you to go up before the multitude, before before church to confess your faith. To uh, so somehow it seems that same they used to ask like uh, who was gonna come up uh, to profess their faith. The preacher, I hated the professor preacher would ask that I would feel guilty he would feel he would make you feel guilty so uh, <laughs> god that was horrible uh, so I would have been shy the shyness made me apprehensive when he went up to the elevated place to make his profession, all those present who knew him, but who did not know him, called out his name to one to another in a clang clamor of joy. <laughs> a din rising from the rejoicing crowd, Victorinus, Victorinus, or David, David, David has confessed. Uh, <laughs> David, Victorinus, Victorinus, sudden was their burst of exultation when they saw him, just as suddenly they fell silent, so they could hear him speak. He proclaimed his true faith with splendid steadfastness, and the people wanted to draw him into their hearts, and the hands with which they drew him were their love and joy. That's why I try to focus on uh, people who are not a joy kill. So you always stay away from negative people. Like uh, if they say something negative about fitness and exercise, you always get away from them. Huh? Hmm. If they're a joy kill or they say something negative about meditation.
3.6. Righteous God. What causes a man to take greater delight? <laughs> I see. I wondered where that was. Yeah. Righteous God, what causes a man to take greater delight at the salvation of a soul for which he had abandoned hope, but which is suddenly freed from great danger than if there had always been hope, or if the danger had been less? You too, merciful God, take delight or delight in one person and in ninety-nine just men who need no repentance. And we... Hmm. Which one is that? Really? Twenty-two. Luke fifteen four. And we feel great joy whenever we hear of a shepherd whose shoulders carry back a sheep that has strayed in the lost drachma, restored to their treasury, the neighbors rejoicing with the woman who found it. And we are brought to tears by the joy of the solemnities of your house, when in your house we hear read of your younger son who was dead but lived again and was lost, but they then was found. Uh, huh? Oh, the chocolate? Oh, yeah, I will drink it. Uh, Luke 15.8, Luke 15.32. All right. Hugo? <laughs> Very good. Ucho, bueno. Mm. This is a good thing. Mm. You can't complain about Hugo, green juice, you know. Still good. Mm. Rejoice in us and in your holy angels, holy, your holy love, for you are always the same. You are always the same, and know all things in the same way, even though all things are not always the same, nor do they exist forever. That's true. <laughs> Nothing exists forever, at least here. Hmm. This juice will disappear after I drink it. Uh -huh. mm. 3.7 What then causes the soul to be more delighted at finding or recovering things he loves and if it had always had them? Uh, many very occurrences, occurrences confirm this and witnesses everywhere cry out, quote, It is so, unquote. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, very fresh and hot. How I know? I'm good. Muy, muy bueno. We're having a hot breakfast. Mm -hmm. I guess you can't complain about a hot breakfast. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wow. I have gotten hungry. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So. He always says yes. <laughs> mm. Mm. 
It's a good thing to say yes to people, I guess. <laughs> It could be like a yes man. The victorious general celebrates his triumphs, but he would not have conquered had he not fought. And the greater the danger on the battlefield, the greater is joy in the triumph. The storm pitches and tosses the seafarer, threatening them with shipwreck. All are pale with fear at their approaching death. Like I'm pale with fear at my approaching death. But with the calming of the sea and the sky, they rejoice beyond measure. Like I rejoice when the sun comes out. Just as beyond measure they had been afraid. A loved one is ill and his pulse reveals danger. Like, uh, we could be in New York City surrounded by coronavirus. <laughs> And all those at his side along for his recovery are ill in their hearts along with him. Once he is well again, though he does not have his former strength. Hmm. There is joy such as there was not when he was healthy and strong. Man does not obtain the pleasures of life through unexpected and unsought difficulties, but through intentional and sought-out trouble. Hmm. Hmm. The pleasure of eating and drinking is no if it is not preceded by hunger and thirst. Hmm. Yeah. I think I was kind of hungry. Me hombre. <laughs> I was hombre. Me hombre. I was hungry. <laughs> I'm, I'm hungry. Um, hombre? Hombre? <laughs> Not ombre, but hombre. Ombre? Ombre. Ombre, ombre. I don't understand. My Spanish has gotten worse. The pleasure of eating and drinking is no if it is not preceded by hunger and thirst. Quieres más? More? No, 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 no. No, no. no. Oh, goodness. Curious moss? Curious moss. Talvez. 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 Drinkers will eat salted food to prompt a vexing heat. 
pan. Your pan will reduce less pan. No pan? Pan con esto. Esto, no pan. ¿Quieres un poco más de pan? Malder pan? Pan con esto? Pan. Sí, de esto, así, así. Mal pan. ¿Quieres más? The drinkers will eat salted food to prompt a vexing heat that drink extinguishes, causing pleasure. It is also the custom that a promised bride should not be immediately given, lest the husband should hold cheap the woman for whom, when he was betrothed, he did not sigh. A promised bride should not be immediately given, lest the husband should hold cheap the woman for whom, when he was betrothed, he did not sigh. understand it. Uh, in modern age you can understand it. Uh-huh. Since with the drowning of uh, noise from the excess internet noise and traffic and volume, data volume, I'm not able to understand ancient text. Hmm. Uh, But I put a little of this on one. What did it do to the taste? It's not exactly good tasting, but you could put a, just a little. Oh, okay. You could put a little. Okay. Thank you, Mario. Yeah, I I can't for the life of me figure out how to eat turmeric. 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 To enjoy the pleasure of eating in the podcast. <laughs> You're always eating during the podcast. Well, we don't. It's very bourgeois to do a good podcast, so. For you, It's like I don't play piano pieces without a mistake. It's very bourgeois to have a polished performance. It's not, but it shows a a lack of taste. It shows you over practiced it. 
I guess this is sort of like um, roasted vegetables on on pan. Pan being the Spanish word for bread. You know. Sourdough bread is better than. Mmm. Mmm. Really, really rico. Mmm. Really rico. Mmm. It's very delicious. Mmm. <laughs> I have to continue the podcast so I can record what I'm eating because I have to confess to what I'm eating. Uh -huh. Bread and vegetables, <coughs> along with some chocolate, but the chocolate's without sugar. And, um, I don't buy it anymore. No more. I'm going to buy it. Do not buy it. Hmm. Three point eight. This also holds true for delight. That is shameful and repulsive. For delight that is permitted and lawful. For the purest and the most beautiful friendship. And it also holds true for him who was dead but lived again by lost but then was found. Joy. Luke 1532. <laughs> Seems like he's just a Bible quotationist philosopher. Remember I have a, as a joke, I have a, on my flipboard I have the quotationist philosopher where I'm, in a way I'm, make, there's people who post quotes on the internet and, and they claim to, their philosophy is that of a quote. <laughs> Well, he's here, he's quoting the Bible a lot. Everywhere the joy is greater, if a greater pain has preceded it. Everywhere the joy is greater, if a greater pain has preceded it. What is the meaning, Lord my God, of your being eternal joy to yourself? 
big, big, uh-oh. What is the meaning, of, Lord my God, of your being eternal joy to yourself? Hmm. He's eternal joy to himself. That's selfish, in my opinion. God is selfish. He's eternal joy to himself. And the beings around you always rejoicing in you. And the, and the, the higher gods just below God are also in joy. And, and the beings around you always rejoicing in you, like the angels or something. What is the meaning of everything in this part of the universe alternating, regressing, and progressing with clashes and conciliations? Is this a measure that you imposed when you assigned all your good things and your just works to their proper place and time? From the highest heaven to the lowest depths of the earth, from the beginning of ages to the end, from the angel down to the worm, from the first movement to the last. Well, hmm. you can be cynical, but he's asking some of the primal questions. <laughs> Hmm. He does ask some of the primary questions. Hmm. Lord, how high you are in the loftiest heights and how deep in the deepest depths you never depart, and yet we struggle to find our way back to you. Yeah, that's true. We struggle. I'm struggling to find my way back to you. Huh. Or we struggle, or most mystics struggle. It's just, mysticism is the struggle to find your way back to you. Hmm. 4.9. Come, Lord, rouse us and call us back. Stir us and seize us in flame and sweetness. Mm. I wonder if he'll sweeten me at all or inflame me from just having read this. Come, Lord, rouse us and call us back. Call me back to such kind uh, by making the sound current or music of the spheres reverberate within me. Uh, come, Lord, rouse us and call us back. Stir us and seize us and flame and sweeten us. Let us love, let us run to you. Have not many returned to you out of a much deeper hell of blindness than Victorinus did? Have they not drawn near to you and were enlightened, receiving that light from which those who are granted it receive power from you to become your sons? <laughs> John 1, 12. Yet if they are less known to a wide public, then even those who know them rejoice for them less. Or when many rejoice together, the joy of each is more profuse, all being stirred and inflamed by one another, and then those who are widely known also open to many more the path to salvation, leading the way with many who follow. That's like the fundamentalist Christian with, with their, all the racket and the noise and the get-togethers, and oh my God, <laughs> they got some big facilities. <laughs> Like Oral Roberts, uh, Oral Roberts University. Therefore, all those who become Christians before them rejoice, because it is not in them alone that they are rejoicing. Far be it that in their temple, temple, tabernacle, the rich shall be welcome before the poor. 
or the noble before the humble when you have chosen what is weak in this world to confound what is strong have chosen what is humble and despised in this world and chosen the things that are not in order to bring to nothing the things that are hmm. corinthians one twenty seven and yet even the least of your apostles through whose mouth you pronounce these words managed to subdue with much toil the pride of Paul the prophet proconsul and make him submit to the gentle yoke of your Christ becoming a meek subject to the great king and the apostle his former name having been Saul now is to be called Paul in the token of this great victory uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Corinthians one twenty seven, Corinthians one nine nine, Apostle Paul. He's the least of the apostles, the least. It's sort of like Kabir is the worst of the worst. Uh -huh. Paul is the least. Uh, in the same way, I'm the absolute least of Budkisters. Uh -huh. uh -huh. The worst with the least amount of following. For the enemy see, suffers a greater defeat than when a man is wrestled from him on whom he has a greater hold and through whom he has a hold of a great number of men and he has a greater hold over the proud with their ranks of nobility and through them and their power a greater hold of many others. Oh. The more esteemed Victorinus's heart had been when the devil had held it as an impregnable stronghold. And Victorinus's tongue, that sharp, mighty weapon with which he had destroyed so many and more abundant with the exaltation of your sons that our king had bound the strong man. And they saw his vessels being carried away to be cleansed and made fit for your honor and made useful to the Lord for every good work. <laughs> Matthew twelve twenty nine, Timothy. Uh, Timothy 2, 2.21. It's very bourgeois to say it's not convenient to do your podcast during a holiday. It's Christmas Day, so. But it may be very bourgeois to say that I don't have conditions to do it. So, but I do have, but I'm going to plow right ahead uh, and confess to the fact that, uh, that what? <laughs> I found so many things I had to confess to. Uh, <laughs> so, hmm. He seems to generate bad things all the time and thought. <laughs> anyway, so we come, we're still in book eight. 5.110, 5.10, and it's on Christmas Day 2020, and he's confessing to the fact that he does continue to podcast during holidays and Christmas Day. Well, that's appropriate, maybe, huh? When your servant Simplicanus Simplicianus told me... This was this of Victorinus. I ardently sought to imitate him. 
which had been the reason why Simplianus had related it. I should try to imitate Victorinus. Later he also told me how in the days of the emperor, Julian a lie had been passed prohibiting Christians from teaching letters and rhetoric, and how Victorinus, obeying this law, preferred to forfeit the school of empty words rather than your word, by which he made eloquent the tongues of infants. Uh, to me, Victorinus seemed not so much resolute as lucky in having found the opportunity to dedicate himself entirely to you alone, something that I was longing for. <clears throat> Bound as I was not by another chain, but by chains of my own making. Right, if I could break the chains that bind me, that were made by my own making, I could then dedicate myself, myself entirely to you alone. To me, Victorina seemed not so much resolute as lucky in having found the opportunity to dedicate himself entirely to you alone, something that I was longing for, bound as I was not by another's chains, but by my own karma, by another's chains, but by... Chains of my own making. The enemy had seized my will and had made a chain of it binding me. Yeah, I I was bound up by by relationships that were binding. And that was highly inconvenient. I a thwarted will gives rise to lust. Hmm. Yeah, when my will was thwarted, it gave rise to lust as a um, it's less like a, uh, a coping mechanism. A, a thwarted will gives rise to lust, and whoever serves lust turns it into something customary. That's like making a habit out of it. And what is customary is not resisted, but it becomes necessary. Is it necessary to have a, a hot chick? <laughs> is it necessary? Necesito. Or not necessito. Hmm. Authorted will gives rise to lust. And whoever serves lust turns it into something customary, which is having a girlfriend. And what is customary is not resisted, but becomes necessary. Yeah, in the in the media, they kind of push that you need uh, e-harmony. You need to find a girlfriend. <laughs> It's a brainwashing. It was through these links joined together, which is why I call it a chain, that a harsh bondage was holding me fettered. Yet the new will that had begun to rise within me, the will to serve you selflessly, longing to delight in you, God, oh, soul pleasure was not yet capable of overcoming my former will, which had been hardened by age. That's why I said, even today, I said that meditation was better than sex. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And so my two wills, one old and the other new, one carnal and the other spiritual, collided with one another, and through their discord were scattering my soul. Hmm. If I have a conflict between the carnal and the spiritual, I suppose the two colliding could scatter my tension. 
You saw pushly long into the light, and the longer you got, the longer of pleasure was not yet capable of overcoming my former will, which had been hardened by age. And so my two wills, one old and the other new, one carnal and the other spiritual, collided with one another, and through their discord were scattering my soul. 5.11 And so I came to understand, uh, through my own experience, what I had read. How the flesh lust against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. Oh, God. It's hard for a teenager to read this stuff in Sunday school. <laughs> but Galatians 5.17 I was standing on both sides, but more on the side of what I approved of in myself than on the side of what I disapproved. What I disapproved of was no longer I, for I was in large measure enduring it unwillingly rather than acting of my own free will. Romans 7, 17. But it was my fault that habit was becoming so combative against me because I had willingly gone to where I did not want to be. For who can rightly speak against a just punishment following the sinner? Nor, can, could, nor could I fall back on my former excuse that I still hesitated to disdain this world and serve you because my comprehension of the truth was still unsound. See, that's why we have so many podcasts and read so many spiritual books. So your, my comprehension of the truth will become sound and still instead of still being unsound. You because you you because my comprehension of the truth was still unsound, since now my comprehension had become very sound. But I was still conscripted to this world, refusing to serve you as a soldier. And I I don't serve as a soldier. This is the most I'll do as a podcast. I'm sort of like a lazy mystic. You as a soldier, and I was as afraid of shredding all my burdens as I should have been afraid of shouldering them. 5.12 The burdens of this world weighed down in sweet sleep, and the thoughts with which I reflected on you were like the efforts of one who seeks to awaken, but overcome with profound somnolence sinks back into sleep. Yeah, a lot of people, when they wake up, they go back to sleep, but I never do that. Never. No one endeavors to sleep forever, and anyone with sound judgment prefers to be awake. But for the most part, man defers casting off sleep when he feels a heavy torpor in his limbs. And though he is irked by this, he yields to sleep with all the more pleasure. Though the time to rise has passed, he should get up like a bolt of lightning and jump up ten feet, three feet off the ground at 3 a.m. in the morning to do meditation. <laughs> by practicing extreme celibacy and uh, extreme exercise and light eating. Thus I too knew for certain that it would be much better for me to give myself up to your love than to surrender myself to my passions. 
yet through the former course struck me as the best and the one that should triumph. The latter pleased me better and did triumph, nor would I have known what an to answer had you called to me, Awake, you sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Hmm. A quotation from Ephesians 5.14. Though you showed me in every way that what you said was true, I had nothing to repay, reply, except for the slow and drowsy words. Quote, I will in a little while. Just let me rest a little longer. That's horrible. But the little while kept whiling away, and the little longer kept being prolonged. In vain I delighted in your law of the inner man, when in my limbs another law was battling against the law of my mind, leading me to be captive under the law of sin that was in my limbs. <laughs> Quotation of Romans 7.22. Hmm. Yeah, you don't let your limbs take over. Well, sometimes the limbs are better than the mind, I say. I tell people on the tennis court, don't use the brain. <laughs> you should use your limbs, maybe. And for the law of sin is the violence of habit. The violence of habit. So this is they talk about uh, making uh, the force of habits. Uh, whether they're sinful habits or good habits. For the law of sin is the violence of habit. Through which even the unwilling mind is drawn in and held. Uh, as it deserves to be. And is willing, willingly acquiesced. Uh, See, most sins are willingly acquiesced uh, by habit. <laughs> Who could then deliver me, wretched as I was, from the body of this death, rather than your grace through Jesus Christ our Lord? It's like being in church <laughs> without the walls. I'm in church without the walls. <laughs> I went to church. <laughs> On Christmas Day, Romans 24, 5. Mm. 6.13. Lord, my Savior and Redeemer, I will now recount and avow before you how you delivered me from the shackles of carnal lust, by which I was so firmly bound, and how you delivered me from the slavery of worldly affairs. I continued living my daily life. He delivered me from the slavery of worldly affairs. He, you, delivered me from the slavery of worldly affairs. He already did. I continued living my daily life, but with increasing anxiety. And every day I longed for you. I kept attending your church whenever I was free from the task whose weight was smothering me. Alipius... A-L-Y-P-I-U-S, his friend, was living with me on a company, unoccupied by legal work after his third term as assessor and was waiting for someone to whom he could sell his counsel the way I sold the art of speaking to the extent that one can impart such an art through teaching. As his lawyer friend, 
The Bredias, for his part, had consented as an act of friendship to teach as an assistant under Veracundus, to whom we were all very close, and who was a citizen of Milan, and a rhetorician there. Veracundus had urgently appealed to us in the name of friendship that one of us offered him the reliable help he so greatly needed. Nebridius was not drawn to this work by any desire for profit, for he could have earned more from his learning had he wanted to. But out of true benevolence, being a kind and gentle friend, he did not want to turn down our request. Uh -huh. He went about his task with great delicacy, shying away from making himself known to figures of importance, and thus shunning the distraction of mind that would that this would bring, preferring to have his mind free with as many hours of leisure as was possible, so he could seek wisdom through reading and listening. Hmm. 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 6.14. One day a certain Pontatinius came to see me, and Alipius at our lodgings on some business or other. The Britius happened to be absent. He was a countryman of ours, insofar as he was from Africa, and held a high office at the Emperor's court. <laughs> and held a high office in first court. I could not remember what he wanted from us, but we had sat down to talk when he happened to notice a book lying on a gaming table in front of us. He picked it up and opened it, and to his surprise found it to be that of the Apostle Paul, for he had imagined that it would be one of the books with which I was wearing myself out in my profession. Hmm. Seems I'm could be wearing myself out and reading a lot of books. The books with which I was wearing myself out in my profession, which is, this profession was rhetorician. Or rhetorician. He looked at me with a smile, commending me and expressing surprise at having found this book. And only this book at my side. Only this book at my side. The book of the Apostle Paul. It turned out that he was a Christian and devout, bowing before you, our God, in frequent and extended prayer in church. When I told him I was studying these scriptures with great care. See, I I usually read uh, the Greek text in the King James Bible, and then I go to BibleHub.com, and I can observe 20 other translations. With great care, he began to speak of Anthony, the Egyptian monk, whose name was so renowned among your servants, through, though Alepius and I had not heard of him. When Pontatianus realized this, he continued speaking about this great man of whom we were unaware, surprised that we did not know him. He was amazed at hearing your wonderful words confirmed so indubitably and in such recent history. Almost in our own times, wrought in the true faith in the Christian church, we were all surprised, Alepius and I, that such great wonders had occurred 
and Pontitianus that we had not heard of them. <laughs> this is the Christmas reading. <laughs> Christmas 2020. We're ending with reading the Apostle Paul. About the, he had the only book was Apostle Paul's book. And we're surpri you're surpri you're probably surprised that I'm reading about him. <laughs> but I it happens to be Christmas Day. Yeah.